Hey everyone, this is Socratic Hobbits, a podcast where Kyle Morse and me, Daniel Hayward, try to ask big questions and then answer them. Sometimes we stay on topic. Thanks for listening. Their device is a charm for sure. Oh man, how was your guys' day? What What did you guys do today? What's your day look like? Kyle, you go first. Well, I went to work, and then well, I walked to work, and then I ran some simulations, and also answered a bunch of questions about parts not fitting together, and then I walked <laughs> home. <laughs> you don't go home for lunch, huh? Do they have a uh, do they have a workout facility over there? They actually have a really sweet workout facility. Do but they? Right now, I'm only using the uh, physical therapy portion of that because my back's messed up. Oh no, bummer! Sorry to hear it. That's not. But good. they do have a very legit uh, gym. Everything okay. they kind of it, it kind of seems like one of the trainers would get an idea and then they're like. Oh yeah, knees over toes is a big thing. So we're going to get like slant boards and kettlebells and all that stuff. And okay. then they also have like squat racks and rowing machines and bikes. And yeah. the coolest thing that they have is they have a glute hammerys device, which is somewhat unusual to see in most gyms. But they've got one there. A glute hammer or a glute hammerys? What is What's it? That? Glute hammerys device. Oh, that didn't help. So it's. Have you ever seen the CrossFit games when people are doing sit-ups no. on like that apparatus thing with the pads? No, the sit-ups, the sit-ups aren't the popular like clip that I watch like highlights of CrossFit. Usually it's like the guys like running back and forth moving stuff. That's what I see. Well, anyway, people CrossFit has decided to misuse the glute ham device for a sit-up machine. <laughs> huh. Okay. But that's that's where, how most people have seen them. Used. Where you're like inverted at an angle, laying down, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So so okay, the yeah. idea is you have your legs locked. Actually, Sophie probably saw them when she was in the gym at the U of I because the U of I probably. strength and conditioning gym definitely had they had a whole row of them. Okay. Okay. And and so they they're like this bit this half moon or this half cylinder pad that you kind of put your knees into and then your ankles are locked into a couple of foam pads against a steel plate. And then you, yep. you kind of hinge forward at your knees and then pull yourself back up with your hamstrings and glutes and calves. I'm just going to have to Google it. That didn't do anything for me because yeah. the way that I was imagining that your legs would bend the other, they were bending the wrong way. So you're, so it's well, belly down. Yeah, your oh, belly, it's belly down. down. Okay, yeah, I got it now. Okay, I, I had the person laying on it upside down, wrong way, wrong way. Nice. All right, what'd you do, Daniel? Uh, I went to work. Uh, Where do you work at? <laughs> I work for a general contractor here in Portland. Um, oh, nice. All right. Uh, and so I got home and I went to a, a power Power BI, which is like a a language, a programming language kind of that I'm getting into. Um, it's like, I think it's Microsoft's uh, like low code version of SQL. Yeah. That was, I, I saw that as a, which 
is technical if you're not into that kind of development at all, but it's low um, code database management. Yeah. So anyway, it's fascinating and I'm having a lot of fun. I just yeah. finished a, a tool I've been working on, uh, this morning. So, um, I'm getting ready to, to publish that on my website. I'm pretty excited about it. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Are yeah. you guys doing commercial? Is it commercial or residential or a little bit of both? Um, right now, I'm working on two residential projects. Um, so they're they're micro apartments. They're 280 square feet. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, 44 units in the place uh, where there was one house prior. It's four stories. 44 units. Mm-hmm. At 280 square feet. Yeah, so there's four that are bigger. They're like a thousand square feet, and those are the two bedrooms. So you have forty two hundred eighty. That's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So it's like twelve thousand square foot building. So you're like, what? You're three thousand square feet of floor, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did some quick math there. Uh, huh. Yeah. Well, and they don't even. So it's, this is actually on a residential street, right? And they're not required to put in parking at all. And there's two other. I don't know. know. You want to know why traffic's terrible in Portland? Um, And there's two other identical uh, buildings built on the same street that are not yet occupied. That will be. So these are all within a year, 40 plus units going on this. Public transit. I mean, so I'm assuming these are only bedrooms, like no. Yeah, they're all studios. Okay. Well, I mean, like, do they have a kitchen or a bathroom in them or they have, they're required to have bathrooms. They do have bathrooms. Um, they do everything at once, Kyle, (laughs) you get your business done. You flip your egg, you can get up, wash your hair and you walk outside and you're done. Boom. (laughs) The, like we, we took the doors off the closets in order to save money. Like that was one of the VE options. It's like, oh, they can put up curtains. I'm like, this doesn't feel good to be a part of. You're providing housing for people, Daniel. Yeah, so he's just, that's why he's cutting cutting corners because he's just it's not a long term investment for him. Then no, not at it's all. Just, he's just trying to get it done. Yeah, um, I can't imagine why city projects have such a bad reputation. I can't. You know, I don't get it. Uh, Jed, what did you do today? Let's stop talking about me. <laughs> that was interesting, though. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I get to the, I feel like I get to the end of the day and I feel like I've done nothing, but then you kind of break it down and you, you know, every second is used, but I, uh, went to the office this morning, did some office work, sent properties to people, made some calls. Um, I went and demoed a guy's floor in his kitchen, in his laundry room, in his bathroom. Uh, he has, he has, a real old house. He's got, you know, some type of subfloor. And then he's got five eighths plywood on top of that. And then he's got a beautiful rainbow colored layer of linoleum over that. And then Don't tell he me has, and then the he has, linoleum. And then he has another beautiful uh <laughs> sheet laminate floor over that. Uh-huh. So uh I got a buddy of mine that is a floor a flooring guy. He does hardwoods for a living and he knows this guy, so he's he's putting some uh, snap plank vinyl in mm-hmm. for a favor. And but he's like, I, I do flooring, I don't do the demo. So I uh, I went in there and scraped just the top layer of uh, 
laminate out. So if you ever want to rehab that layer underneath, you could you could still uh, buff it up. So you I know, went and did that. <laughs> five eighths plywood is actually worth something. Oh man, you know, yeah, I've I actually have to go back tomorrow and uh, fill in a couple sections. It was. I could have stuck a foot through under the washer and dryer. Something, <laughs> something was leaking for way too long under there. Uh, it was really soft. So I, I cut a section out of that. I'll have to replace it. Um, so I went and did that, took that to the dump, and then went out and showed a property out by Troy, 80 acres. Uh, beautiful property. It's got, you know, you've, you've got the farm field kind of egg up high. You got a great, great view from up there. That's where your access is. So you can put a house up there and then that that's probably about 25 acres of it is in ag right now. And then there's whatever, 55 acres of this kind of canyon that's got timber, wow. uh, year round Creek in the bottom. I was just looking for antlers the whole time. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't find any, but man, tons of elk and deer, deer tracks in there. So, oh yeah, that's, that's how I finished the day. So you so, buyer's agent, seller's agent, both. On yep. That one? Yep. Show, showing up, showing it to a buyer. So it got listed yesterday and showed it to a buyer today. So, um, yeah, hopefully that'll turn into something. How fast is stuff moving out by Troy? Um, not as fast as it was a month ago. I can say that, <laughs> you know, we were sitting at like 12 to 15 houses. I'd say January through April, mid April. And it was, I mean, something came up and as long as, as long as they weren't ridiculously crazy, crazy with their pricing, it was gone. Um, you know, people see, well, it's still on the market three days later and it's because sellers are putting the, they're giving themselves three to five days for buyers to walk through and submit offers before they review them. Right. So a lot of times you see a property, you're like, Oh, it didn't sell the first day. It's like, no, they've got next Thursday as the offer review date. There was uh, a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on this spring. Um, but the last month we're up from that 12 to 15 houses. We're like mid twenties now. Okay. In, in Moscow on the market. In the county, we're in the 40s total between county and city. Um, but that that extra 10 houses in the city makes a big difference. You know, when you're talking 15 to 25, um, that along with an extra percent on everybody's interest rate, and it's it's definitely slowed down. That was um, actually one of the questions I had for you, Jed, is talking about being an agent. So you kind of started when the market was hot, and then it went to lava. And now it's back, kind of back to hot. Yeah, I mean that's a that's honestly a really good way of putting it. Because when I got in, it was it was I'm just about to start my fifth year, so 2018 is right. when I started, and it it was it was a seller's market, right? I mean it you know if you go well, is it a seller's or buyer's market? It was a seller's market, but it was nothing like two years ago or last year. Yeah. I mean, it was slow still, you know, it was like, oh, let's go look at this property. Eh, it's been up for 30, 40 days. You uh-huh. know, let's put an offer in on it, see what we can get it for. Yeah. So it was a seller's market, but it was, it was nothing compared to what the, you know, it's been the last two and a half years. And then you're right. It went to lava, you know, COVID hit. I remember COVID hit and we were all like, 
are we going to have a job? Yeah. You know, it was, it, you know how that was the first two weeks. Yep. Are we still, oh, we're essential. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, can, we can still show houses, you know, wow. So that, you know, but buy, nobody was, nobody was buying a house those first two weeks. You know, right. nobody wanted to sell a house. Nobody wanted, they didn't want, want anybody walking through their house. Yeah. Um, and that was right. At, if I remember right, it was right when the spring market was supposed to kind of kick off. Yeah, it's March. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, we were all kind of waiting for inventory to kick up like it does in March and mm-hmm. April. And uh, that hit. And it was, it was a slow spring for me. And then summer hit and it just went berserks. You know, yeah. it just went nuts. And I think people were stir crazy from sitting in their house. Um, you know, all of a sudden people were working remote or sitting at home. And I think there was nothing else to do but uh, think about the grass that's greener on the other side. <laughs> you know, Over in Idaho. Everybody started thinking about moving. Yeah, moving into town or people in town, moving out of town. You know, it was just went bananas. And then on top of that, you know, they're trying to keep the economy healthy. So they interest rates probably should have started to creep up back then, but they instead they just tanked it even lower. Yeah. You know, and so our rates just went rock bottom. And so everybody was refining or, you know, or, or buying and it, it's or just refining to buy. Yeah. It's just been a madhouse since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's, you're right. The last month I'd say it's back to hot. It's still, yeah. it's still red hot, but it's not lava. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's I and I don't know what the you know everybody. I really wish I could live the next year out and then uh, go back and relive it in real time, knowing what happens. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, you, you know, and a lot no of people. Idea. I know. Yeah, you know one one week I'll talk to a lender and he'll say, "Oh, interest rates." Well, I talked to one this spring, and you know he's been in lending for I think fifteen plus years. A uh, very respectable lender up in Coraline. He's like, you know, I think they're going to hold interest rates in the fours, um, you know, to keep the housing market hot. And months later, I was thinking about him saying that, and they were at, you know, five and a quarter. Um, I was saying, no, that didn't happen. You know, no fault to him. You know, everybody, it's it's really interesting to hear everybody's opinion. But, you know, people that have been in it 40 years and people that have been in it five years have, you know, everybody's got a different take on it. So, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I'm, I'm young I and dumb. Throw out five years, that's, like when people ask when people ask me, I tell them I'm young and dumb. That's how I start. That's how I start the conversation. But I, yeah, yeah, it, that's the million dollar question. I think the, I think the housing demand is going to stay high. Mm. Um, I don't think we have enough houses. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, we, we're not building, you know, we don't have enough affordable houses. It's a really interesting, as far as our local market, we've got these buyers moving in from out of state that don't mind buying the eight hundred, $900,000 houses mm-hmm. or even in town. You know, it used to be when I started again, not that long ago, but back in 2018, there was like, I don't know, one half million dollar house in Moscow. Then it was like, that place is nice, yeah. you know, really nice. And now I, I mean, it's got to be over 50% of the houses are over, over 500,000. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just so many that we see hit the market. Um, yeah. so I don't know how that our, our local, our local job, 
you know, our salary, if you look at the salary from local jobs, it's not supporting, um, a lot of those house prices. And, you know, again, from articles I've read, just like you guys coming out of Boise, um, Coeur d'Alene areas, mm-hmm. you know, it, I saw one from Boise and I think they said the, the mortgage, you know, the average mortgage compared to the average income, it was like a 70% overage, you know, f- for most people. Um, they just just didn't line up. So, well, yeah, I was just down in, I was just down in Boise and my brother-in-law's framing a house in Tampa, which is, you know, that's a half hour, a little more than half an hour west of Boise. And this house, it's, it's a, I think it's a five bed, pretty big, two and a half bath house with a three car garage. But he said that house a half hour west of Boise at 80 miles an hour is going to be going for over 600. Yeah. 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 And yeah. they're and, putting like nice a five stuff bed house in, Yeah. You know, five bed, new five bed house in Moscow's, you know, same thing. If you, if you look at some of the new construction that's happening here, I mean, if you're 2,500 square foot or bigger, you're, you're honestly closer but to this is like being in than 600,000. This yeah. is like being in dairy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I know. You know, and wages wages have gone up a lot, I would say. I mean, to be to be honest, I I don't think they've gone up with the same appreciation level as as housing prices, but there's way more people making, you know, six figures in Latok County than there were 4 years ago. A lot more. How much of that is wor- remote work and how much of that is local? You know, I, you I think with. it's, I think it's both. I honestly think it's both. I feel like I could, you know, list off people I know that uh, grew up here that are, you know, 10 years older than me. A lot mm-hmm. of them have started, started their own business or, you know, worked their way up in a business and they're, they're doing, you know, just fine. Um, and then of course there's a lot of people, you know, I honestly don't have as many remote workers as retirees. I feel like mm-hmm. I have more retirees. Oh, okay. Um, I know that I know, you know, I can list remote workers, but I feel like of the people I help, it's either they're retirees or it's, it's, it's local people. Got it. So, yeah. Yep. Hmm. So Jed, you're on a podcast. You're, (laughs) you're a realtor. Oh man. And a floor demolition guy. And what else? (laughs) You know, those are your two main, your two main things. Yeah. Yeah. I've been all, you know, growing up, I was all over the place working jobs, which I'm thankful for. You know, it was just kind of what it was. I was just how we were raised is you better get a job, you know, if you want, if you want new blue jeans sort of thing, Um, which I think was really valuable to have to do some of those manual labor jobs and understand how valuable your time is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you learn how to make money and it really puts, I think it helps put things into perspective. I probably take it for granted sometimes, but you know, I started whenever, you know, working at home till junior high and then was able, you know, sixth, seventh grade, start working for other people. Yeah. So I started, I did some construction, you know, not, not much with building materials, more moving dirt for people. Okay. um, Cleaning up scraps. And then I did, what have I done? I did two years at a golf course here in town, mowing for them. That was great. I loved it. Two years was perfect amount of time in the summers. 
in the summers in high school. And then mm-hmm. as soon as I got to college, I knew I needed to make more money to pay for uh, U of I. So I started doing, I did wildland firefighting. Okay. Um, and I did that for two years. And then I got married and I knew I couldn't go uh, live in the sticks all summer. So I, uh, <laughs> and I had no idea what I wanted to do for a career. What, uh, what did you graduate I, from UI with? I ended up with elementary education. <laughs> okay. Uh, degree in elementary education. I was in, uh, I was in forestry or no, I was in, uh, I wanted to do fish and game law enforcement. Um, okay. So wildlife, wildlife man- management. Wildlife yeah. management. Yep. Yep. And so I, I went and did a stint. It was just like a half week or something up on the North Fork of the Clearwater doing wolf research just as a volunteer with a fishing game officer. And I loved it, but same thing. I was like, I'm, I'm getting married. I can't, you know, I can't be gone and do this. Hmm. Um, so I, I switched, I lost some scholarship that I had for that program, <laughs> but before, I think it was before it was like before the first semester was up, I switched from that and decided I needed to be in a, a good steady field, you know? So I switched to nursing, <laughs> which I laugh now looking back at, um, yeah. but I figured out, you know, I'll make good money. They get days off at a time. I can go hunting and fishing, you know, it'll be a great job. So I, I did my CNA class at Gritman, whatever it was, 130 hours. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that, I, I was so excited to be done. Um, <laughs> I, I got my CNA and I switched out of nursing after, <laughs> after a semester of school. You know, it was, it was great work. I, uh, I'm, I'm, it gives me good perspective. I'm very thankful for the nurses out there, but it was, it was not for me. Okay. And so then I think... That's when I, I was like, I'm going to switch to general studies. Okay. And I definitely got some heat from friends and family. Like you're, you're going to four years of school for general studies. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're like, I, I just want to be well-rounded. That's right. Yeah. We looked into it and I could, uh, I could graduate still in four years. I just had to take a few extra classes to get a elementary ed degree. Okay. And, and so I, I did that went through, graduated with the, the ed degree. And I, uh, I taught fourth grade half time and was the athletic director at the school I went to, uh, here in Moscow, Logos school. Um, so I did that for the, I worked construction in the summer between yeah. college and the school year. And then I did that for the school year and I loved it. Uh, I loved working with the kids. I was exhausted by lunchtime, you know, morning of teaching fourth graders. And then I jumped into the AD stuff, which I loved that too, the organizing, you know, scheduling games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all good, but it was, it was, uh, it was time consuming. You know, I'd be wrapping up a game, cleaning up the gym, you know, getting home at nine or 10 yeah. and thinking, oh man, what about the lesson plans? <laughs> I, I got to have something to tell those fourth graders in the morning. And I, and I, yeah, where, where I was with, you know, the pay schedule and the future of where it looked like I was going to be able to be you know based off the pay schedule i i thought you know this i didn't have enough time to do do a side hustle that was going to be productive you know i was so exhausted i had the summer but you know that goes by quick especially with ad stuff you know working Mm -hmm. a little late into the summer starting a little early weren't you also completely renovating a mobile home at the time no. So I, I did not, we were just running at that time. Okay. Uh, we just, we'd been married for a year uh, and we were just renting a little, 
it wasn't 280 square feet. I think it was 400, but still pretty small. Yeah. A little studio. Yeah. It was great though. I think it was like 400 bucks a month. That's nice. Um, it was perfect, but I knew we wanted to have kids and I just looked at how much time I was putting in and you know, the monies I was able to get out. And I thought this is not going to work long-term. Hmm. So I, that's when I thought, you know, I'm going to get into real estate. I talked to an agent who I looked up to um, halfway through college, probably my junior year and said, Hey, I, you know, I don't know what I want to do for work. Kind of when I was jumping around between degrees, yeah. I said, you know, I don't, I don't know what I want to do for work, but uh, when I look at you, you know, I kind of, I, I like, you know, I like you not in a weird way, but you know, I like, <laughs> I like your personality. I like that you're able to, you know, give a, give up time, you know, your free time. He, he helped teach us in track. Yeah. Um, just really flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but made good money and, you know, it was, I just like, you know, I liked what I saw from, you know, yeah. being a, being a 19 year old kid anyways. And he yeah. said, well, if you want to get into real estate, what you should do is start working construction. Hmm. Um, cause that's the most knowledge you can get about the real estate business at your age. Um, and he hooked me up with a contractor and I started working construction that summer. So that's how I, I really got into the, the building, building construction so industry. Did you- Big time. Did you build new houses or did you build like, did you do TIs? Yeah. Or, yeah. So he, you know, Phil McMurray, I started working with him and he does, we did a couple little reno projects, but it was mostly all uh, large custom homes. Okay. Um, and I started by just cleaning up the job site. Yeah. You know, That's where a lot of people more. start. <laughs> I'd, I'd cut, I'd cut a two by six for him and he'd come and look at it and, like, like hold his square <laughs> up to it. Like what? <laughs> you know? So he, he kind of started teaching me how to cut, how to cut boards. And yeah. Um, so I did that the two summers of college and then, well, that summer between college and the school stuff. And so I, after the year at uh, Logos, I went and got my real estate license that summer. Is Logos a private school? That's where I yes. went to school too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, my, private. my, my wife worked for a little private Christian school over here and uh, it was incredible the amount of time that she was asked to be there and the, and the pay that she got as a result of it. And I think it's a, I think it's a difficulty that private schools have is just, yeah, for, yeah, 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 no, for sure. You know, and I don't, yeah, I don't, it's, and it's funny, you know, it's no sour feelings towards, oh man, why didn't I get paid more? It's more just, man, how can we, you know, how can we figure this out? Yeah. You know, know, those kids, I mean, it's so valuable to those kids, to those parents, to those families. Um, it is, it's just tough. We got, you know, there's a lot of female teachers right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the problem. I think it's tough to support a family, um, off what they're able to pay. And, and I think they're doing a great job managing their monies. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I love that they're, they're keeping tuition low, um, you know, to allow families to, to send their kids there and attend there, but uh, it's definitely a head scratcher. And I think something that, uh, you know, people should continue to think about and figure out, you know, ways to help with that. Well, yeah. I mean, for, for the, the school that she was a teacher at, it was like 95% of the teachers were women because they weren't seen as providers for their house. I, I don't know that that's right, that, that you can just pay like, but they just saw it as a ministry. Like they were given it is. It. It's it's total ministry. Yeah. Everybody I know that works there, you know, for over 20 years, you just look at them and you're like, 
I don't even understand. You know, I don't understand. I think just because I'm not built like that, I couldn't do it more than a year. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but your, just your very, thank- like very pro- thankful. Your dad's yeah. a prototypical example of that because he worked his way yep. up from third grade to now he's the superintendent. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I just have nothing but respect for him. Honestly, hmm. I, you know, the older I get and I, you know, he, he had seven kids and I have two. And I feel like I'm like, man, I'm right on the edge of being, you know, not able to handle this. Um, you know, uh-huh. and he, he had seven kids making no money, but we didn't even, you know, we knew we didn't have a lot of money, but I mean, it was like, there was always good, like friends came to our house for, for food. I mean, my mom had all the food. It was always the best food out of anybody's house. Um, yeah. so they just, you know, they did an amazing job. I, I, I still don't know how he did it. And the older I get, I scratch my head more because I, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, life's so hard. But I, it's, you know, we're just a bunch of weenies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, huh? I, no, I just, uh, you said, you know, I don't know how they, I don't know how they did it. We're a bunch of weenies. And it's just like, I don't know if things are, if people are really that much different than they used to be. You know, that you hear this kind of idea about, how you know the greatest generation right and the stuff that they dealt with like would we be able to and like i don't know i just don't i don't think that people change it like i mean i know as a society we we have changed but are people tough tougher or do we just have easier times right now and we would we would find that toughness if we needed to yeah no that's a great point and i i've thought about that you know it's funny you think about those weird things like that and i i think you're I think your last comment was right on. I think times are easier yeah. and and human nature is always to complain. Mm. I mean, (laughs) right. You could have $10 and you're going to complain. You could have a million dollars and you're going to complain. Right. Oh yeah. Um, Money or, you know, wealth or commodities or ease of life. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make us, you know, we're still, we still complain. There's always something to complain about. And I think you're right. I think a lot, I think we would become tough. I think the tougher side would come out if it had to, and mm-hmm. it just hasn't had to. Yeah. Um, Although we'll see, right? But we still complain. So we're like, <laughs> the last generation didn't have near as much money or, you know, this or that. And uh, they did great. And we have all that. That's how I see it. We have all that. And I, you know, I'm still complaining about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're right. I think if times were harder, uh, my hope would be people would uh, button up and toughen up too. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a lot of it. I think you're right. Yeah. What do you think, Kyle? You think we get tougher? Or do you think we get com- more complainy? <laughs> <laughs> you have to get tougher. I mean, honestly, I, <laughs> I mean, our generation hasn't seen a war. You know, it's just. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, we. I mean, we did the whole. Uh, we shoved the war into the background. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. What did you say? Into the back room. Okay. Okay. I realized that probably didn't quite come through clearly in the audio. <laughs> but yeah, we, I mean, we have been at war for some of the longest periods in the longest period in American history, but because it was profe- because we professionalized our military, it mm-hmm. made it so that the general population didn't experience it really at all. Well, and they made it illegal to, at one point for, really like after Vietnam, we couldn't see anything that was happening because they didn't want to lose, lose the war at home. Um, and so we haven't seen any, like I, you have to go look for footage of 
what the war is like over in or what it was like in Afghanistan, Iraq, that kind of stuff. They don't show that on any network television. Um, yeah, that, that's something that's really hit me with the war in Ukraine right now. It's just, mm-hmm. you go on Facebook and there's a video, you know, yeah. of it. And I, I don't want to get into the conversation of which ones are real and which ones are fake, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, on Facebook. But it, as you go, wow, somebody just took that on their phone and I can see it across the globe. You know, it, it, it is a different, uh, different times for sure. Yeah, you're not waiting, you know, sitting sitting at a movie and then they show the war reels ahead of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um one of the things I brought up to Daniel Jed was the fact that you built your own house. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and yeah. experience. There's another guy we're going to have on here at some point. Yeah. Um who also built his own house remotely, but maybe you can tell us what it's like oh, to build man. a house while you're while you're working full time yeah and then at 10 o'clock at night you're installing the bathroom yeah yeah, there, there, the yeah. Bathroom. too many too many days like that if you ask my wife uh, <laughs> but we got it done you know it was uh it was a great experience we're just super thankful uh, to have the opportunity to do it it's tough to i you know i found a bank that allowed me to be the general on the job mm-hmm. um which is tough, you know. All the all the cards played out great, and uh, just me having worked construction and having the real estate really just worked out perfect because I I had to have the income off real estate um, to get approved, obviously for the loan. Mm-hmm. But then I I was also able to show, look, I spend a lot of my time doing construction, and you're not using that income to a- approve me, and so I'm just going to take that time and invest it into building the house. And I'll still have that real estate income. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the, the construction experience for them to let, let me be the general on the job. So all those, you know, all those cards had to play out. So there it's, was some real negotiation in there. Yeah. You know, and it, it was, it was great. Uh, I'll plug first interstate bank. They, uh, they were honestly good to work with. They took a lot of my monies, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like a, it was like a, and again, I was super thankful, but it was like, yeah, sure. You can be the general, but that'll just be an extra 1% origination. It's like, okay, you know, let's just start, ta- start tagging on fees, which I understand it's a higher risk loan to them, but sure. yeah, they did a, they did a great job getting it done. Um, when did you convert to them to a conventional loan? And so now you're like, yeah, you know, they, they honestly had a really good loan. It, it was just a one-time close. Um, oh. because I was, that was, that was something I was thinking about is man, the last thing I want to do is get a short-term construction loan and then have a bad year in real estate and not be able to convert it, mm-hmm. you know, cause they reevaluate your income again. Sure. You know, I just didn't know what the year was going to look like every year is different. So yeah. they, they had a one-time closed product. It was, it was about a percent higher than a conventional 30 year loan. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they let me lock in the rate at the time of, you know, breaking dirt, the loan closing. And then that rate, that rate stuck all the way. That's what I'm, that's what I'm with now. And rates were ridiculously low because of COVID. So, you know, I'm a couple, couple percent under what a rate is today, which is, Crazy how fast how fast it's changed. Yep. Yeah, that's excellent. So, what made you kind of decide I'm going to build a house? 
Was yeah, it, that's a good question. Was it was it you're like I want I want this specific layout. It's too much to do, or is it like a dream that you had, or yeah? Um, yeah, there, you know, there's definitely a I don't know if I'd call it a chip on my shoulder, but a you know, I was like, man, I really want to build a house. Hmm. Um, I'd always done construction, you know, for other people here and there, part time, you know, whether it was in the summers or between real estate. Um, and, you know, I, th- I thought, man, I could do this. I could do the whole thing from start to finish, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'd never done it. So I definitely, that was, that's definitely been a goal of mine. And then I, you know, me and my wife were just looking around like, we, we didn't like the prices. I mean, we're like the, we're like the buyers that the real estate agent doesn't want to work with. Like <laughs> we'd, we'd buy that house for a hundred thousand less. You know, we just, we mm-hmm. were looking at what our budget was and what we could afford. And I was like, this is this does not seem right. You know, we just, we mm. were not excited. We weren't excited. I, so back to what you said, Kyle, we bought a, I bought a double wide that probably should have been, uh, hauled to the dump. Um, <laughs> well, you hauled most of it to the dump if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, I did. The frame is, ori- <laughs> the frame is original. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we bought a, du- we were having a, you know, we were getting ready to have our first kid. Now, by a dump. Uh, that little apartment was, you know, too small, and the opportunity came up. A, a lady was, you know, just it, it. It was far beyond maintenance needed, um, and so I I bought that from her, and uh, we turned it upside down, and it, that was tough, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we were living in a fourth of it, while well, a fourth of three quarters of it were just gutted you know, just gut it out. There was water damage, oh boy. you know, and, and all the, you know, all the ex- typical mobile home, no Tyvek. Um, yeah. It was a nine, it was a nineties model, you know, a newer model. So electrical mm-hmm. and plumbing were good, but you know, there's no Tyvek in the, on the exterior walls. So I, I, uh, redid the roof, uh, mm-hmm. which was the number one thing it needed. I redid the roof, you know, had to re- redo some, uh, some sheeting up there. And then, just tore off the sides and replaced the studs that needed replacing. And so, so uh, part of the frame is original. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of the frame replaced the, the sub floor that needed replacing and uh-huh. uh, put new siding, new windows in it and painted it and put new skirting in it, you mm-hmm. know, new flooring paint, all that stuff. And yeah. Um, so we sold, so we sold that last spring, um, which was a good, great time to sell. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I had a connection with a builder who had bought a couple lots here in town years ago and he was getting ready to retire. And so he sold, he sold me one of the lots he had. Um, so we bought that and I thought, you know, I could, I can build a house on this thing. At first I wasn't sure if I'd be able to get the financing. Um, like, you know, like I said, all the cards had to land, right. So kind of the backup plan was to build a spec house with, some type of short-term financing, you know, mm-hmm. either getting a co-signer if I needed to or something like that, just build it and then sell it. But when all the cars lined out and, you know, we figured out we'd be able to stay here, then uh, that's what we did. Uh, mostly just to avoid paying a lot of taxes on it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll live here for at least a few years probably and then uh, see what see what happens next. Would you Would you do it again? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's the plan. I plan. I plan to do it again. <laughs> I love it. You know, it was a lot of work, but it, it was. Uh, it's super fun, and it's it's easy to work on it when it's your own place. 
Sure. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of motivation. So do you have a, do you have any hopes, hopes and dreams like that? Yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I you're in construction. I am in construction. We, so we had a bathroom remodel and I will never let somebody else GC a project at my house again, if I can help it because they did not understand normal course of construction and did things very backwards. Uh, so they're fan. They're a fantastic company at what they do. I would recommend them for their like their their plumbers. I would recommend them for plumbing. They did that really well. They had Tyler's come uh, come in and drywallers, and it was just just not ideal. Um, they they did they tried to make everything right that they could, but anyway, yeah. So uh, my wife and I kind of what we do, like a lot of people are like, Oh, we like going on vacations. We like doing this. We like doing that. Like we like working and doing stuff on our house. Like we have a lot of fun. Um, so we, we built a patio and patio cover. That was, it was really fun to learn all of the things I learned on that project. Um, all the code stuff. We're not going to talk about that. Um, (laughs) what'd you say? What'd you say? You, You submit the idea and they approve it and then you put it up, right? That's typically how it goes. In this case, in this case, what we did was we submitted it. They said, no, you have to get that engineered. We said, we're not going to do it. And then we changed a little bit and did it anyway. Um, It was a little bit smaller. So the, you know, it's fuzzy. (laughs) The rule is fuzzy. And basically everybody who I talked to is like, is that what they said? They said, no biggie. The rule's pretty fuzzy. (laughs) No, that's what all my friends said. (laughs) Daniel has lots of of libertarian friends. Not really. It's just two Davids. Um, I don't think that I would add up to a lot. They do add up to a lot. Uh, Anyway, anyway, uh, We've got a few other kind of big projects that would not involve any structure. So I know that we wouldn't need any permit, um, but moving a wall, um, we're doing the next big project that we're doing is built-ins at our, at our fireplace um, for one of the walls. We have a, so we were talking about house prices. So we bought this house for 270 in 2019, 19, something 18. like that. Okay. Oh, yep. no. Was it before or after we bought? It was before, so it would have been 17. Uh, yeah, it might have been 17. I was thinking yeah. 17 or 18. Um, and Sorry, it's, I misled you with a 19. That's okay. I forgive you. Um, and it's gone up like... So we, it's a it's like a 1,200 square foot home in Vancouver. And like when I get my Zillow report, they're like 480. <laughs> and I'm just like flabbergasted because this is a starter home. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. my... My siblings-in-law, who started out at a much higher wage than I did, I started out making like roughly eighteen dollars an hour when we got married. Like that was a good, that was an okay wage. It wasn't a great wage, but it was it was like respectable um, for right out of college with like the degree. I mean, I got an accounting degree, but that's kind of where you start, like as a clerk, and. One of them is a nurse making, I think, five times as much. She hasn't said exactly. I don't really care. Not five times as much. More than twice as much, though. And it's like, we have no hope of buying a house for a long time because of, it's just like, just because of how much more house prices are. It's crazy. So 
I don't know that we would. So if we were going to move it, like some would have to change pretty significantly in the market, or we would have to move to somewhere much, much cheaper, like Boise or Moscow, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. We know somebody who wanted, they were like, we want acreage and they ended up having to they moved to Arizona about 40 acres there <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, I think he tried farming for a while. Um, yeah, you know, oh, no. if you if if you move this way, uh, I can show you some spots up in Benoit County. I don't think they have building codes, so <laughs> that sounds like fit right in. Yeah, it's I could just build. electric electrical and plumbing have to go through the state, but other than that, you can get creative. Yeah, <laughs> have you heard of? Uh, there is this thing. Uh, a lot of people up here. It used to be more okay. I think that the counties have gotten wise to it, but people would build these. They call them shomes. They just shop homes and you build a shop, you finish one, one room and then you live in it. And other than that, it's just a, like a metal pole building basically. Yeah. You know, I think they're pretty common over here as a temporary while people are building, you know, a lot of these people that are buying like real properties, they put up a pole barn with a bathroom and a, Mm -hmm. a bedroom or not a bedroom and their, their bedroom is the shop. (laughs) Um, You know, I've seen people do all sorts they'll pull their rv in there oh yeah you know and they'll live in their rv in their shop but you know it, it works pretty good for people who need to need to sell their primary to to buy the piece of land and build but then, oh sure you know they build their shop first live in that and build their house so well and then that works out because then they have a shop yeah yep exactly yep exactly that would be yeah i don't know so if we um if we have need of a larger house at some point here then we'll we'll probably move but yeah i mean uh, to answer like your earlier question we have any dreams of building our own house like yeah i think we would there's parts of that that we would really enjoy but then our hobby of doing projects would be like well we 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 built it now we're landscaping well neither of us like that's what i'm going through right now kyle don't bring that up neither of us (laughs) like landscape neither of us like landscaping yeah, did you? Here's my here's a curiosity question. What uh, what was your parents' situation growing up? Uh, were you guys in a Were you guys in a nice house? Were you in a fixer upper? It wasn't a fixer upper. Um, no, it was. I grew up thinking that we were poor because my parents worried about money, and and we didn't like. I went to a rich private school. I didn't, but it felt like we were the poorest of that group. Okay. <laughs> I found out later it's like, oh no, my parents just like were not like extravagant. Like they just didn't spend a yeah. lot of money, but they didn't yeah. they didn't really ever have any big concerns as far as it goes. They just it was just something on their mind. So um yeah, I was like very like middle middle class. I think I would have felt probably rich if I'd gone to one of the one of the public schools around here. I would have felt like I don't know. I would have had a different, uh, what do you call it? Perspective. Yeah. No. So, yeah, but we, yeah. So my dad, my dad's a mechanic. Um, he's been a mechanic for yeah 35 years. And my mom, mom's a, was a pharmacist. Um, oh, wow. She's retired now. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, it was fine. We, part of the reason I realized later, like, Oh, my parents weren't, we weren't poor growing up, even though I felt that way is that they owned an apartment complex. Like, <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Yeah, no. And then, then they they sold that, or my mom sold that. They, my parents split, but they sold that, or she sold that um, last year, and did 
did pretty okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah, no, I was just curious. I know, uh, my parents' house was and is a fixer upper. So, I mean, it was just projects 24 seven, you know, <laughs> year round. Um, and I, I did that with a mobile home really just cause that's what I had to do. Um, yeah. you know, it was kind of, well, this is the only option out there. Let's tackle it and get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, the idea of building a new house and then living in it, it's the, I tell you what, it's the dream come true. Is it? Like, yeah, I, I mean, I could tear into anything and I don't need to. I know exactly what's in there and everything's hunky dory and I yeah. love it the way it is. You know, there's no, I'm so excited that I'm not, you know, doing big remodel projects. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is just, I don't, I don't want to use the word burnt out on them, but mm. you know, it's like, oh man, you know, what am I going to do Saturday? Well, right now it's landscaping, but yeah, uh, we don't have to talk a couple that. months from now, it'll be like, well, I'm going to go fishing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Everything, everything's good at home. You know, everything's set up, good condition and. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious, but uh, yeah, what your take on that was? Yeah, I guess I'm not I'm not burnt out because I work on a computer all day, and so getting into the shop, doing some kind of project like that, and well, my shop is my garage, but like building stuff, I just have a lot. It's it's really satisfying nice. for me. Nice. What were you gonna say, Kyle? I had a question around. You've been the GC on your your house. You yep. also your day job is real estate. Yep. Do you feel a pull one way or the other? Um, you know, real estate's just always come first. Um, so on my house and when I, you know, I just, mostly I'm not doing independent jobs for other homeowners. I'm, I'm working on new construction and I just have a lot of builder, builder contacts mm-hmm. uh, from past, past contracting experience and people are just short on labor. Honestly, right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a construction job if if it was a tight labor market because I wouldn't be valuable. But you know, they know that I'm a good worker. I know what I'm doing, and so they're like, "Oh, you can come for an hour, great. You come for four hours, great." I mean, they'll just take me. Got you it. know, you got to take a 45 minute phone call partway through. We understand. You know, it's life. We understand you're working real estate too, um, and so that's the flexibility that's allowed me to do it. Just because real estate is time sensitive. It's a customer service based job. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits of the day and age we live in is, I mean, I, I can do pretty much anything from my cell phone, you know, and I have inland cellular. I can do it from my cell phone while I'm out elk hunting in the middle of nowhere. Well, I remember <laughs> my dad marveling at the fact that you were closing a deal with an agent while you were on the boat out in CQ. Yeah. It's just crazy. I mean, it really is. I, and it's, it's a curse and a blessing all at once. Cause that's exactly right. You're like, Oh man, I can go fishing and I, I, I can still, you know, I, I can go cause yeah. I got my phone. But then at the same time, you're like, when was the last time I did something where I wasn't worrying or at least, you know, keeping tabs on my phone cause something's going on. Right. It's like, man, that back when there is <laughs> back when it was a phone on a wire, you know, back when that thing was attached to the wall and not your body that I mean, it's yeah, but, had to be, but those had to be good times. But at the same time, I'm like, well, this is, I mean, I would have had to be in the office back then, Yeah, you know, yeah. to pick it up. So it, I think it really is a huge blessing and it's, yeah, it's, it, I wouldn't be able to do it if it, if it weren't for modern technology, you know, it, the fact that you can get emails and messages and calls all on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever, you know, my level of service isn't any lower, whether I'm out in Deary or sitting in the office twiddling my thumbs. So. Mm-hmm. Do you ever turn it off completely? Yeah, it dies all the time. <laughs> 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 you 
No, I, I do not. I'm not good at that. I'm the guy that uh, picks up a call during dinner and come back in and my wife's like, what? Mm-hmm. Who was that? And I tell her and she's like, what? did that have to happen during dinner? I'm like, well, yeah, but no. <laughs> so I, I could definitely err more on the side of not picking up, but uh, I'm sure as the kids get older and, you know, family events start becoming more prominent, it'll, I'll need to work on that. Yeah. Um, but Do you have times of year where you just go, I'm not picking up any real estate stuff for say, the last weekend of last week of September or something like that. That is just slow. Not, um, not that it's slow that you make it slow. No, 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 not yet. No real estate. Real estate's a funny job. You know, it's, it's like everybody says 10% of the agents do 90% of the business. That's you could, you could make way too much money and pack, pack that many clients into your schedule if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're good at time management, you could do really high volume. Um, so I think I've done a decent job at managing my time where I could take on, I could, I could almost always take on more volume. I mean, there's days where I'm like, geez, that was exhausting. Um, but rarely am I, there's, there's definitely times where I'm like, I'm not going to pick up this number. I don't know, uh-huh. you know, but, but if somebody's, you know, if somebody's told me they want me to help them find a home or help them sell their home. I'm always, I'm always picking up or responding to them. So yeah, I guess, get- to answer your question, yeah, new, new people. Yeah. If I'm out elk hunting, it's like, forget it. You know, I'm out of service. I'll tell the people I'm working with, I'll be back in two days. I'll get back to you by noon on Thursday. You know, if you need, here's the other benefit. And I think it's just, everything lines up. Right. But my, my wife has a real estate license. So she, she's been in it longer than I have. Um, and she, she's home with our kids now almost the whole time. She'll come work in the office one day a week um, just for part of the day. Um, she helps me with social media stuff, advertising stuff, but um, she knows what she's doing. She's a licensed agent. She has access to everything. So, you know, if something's really an emergency and I'm out of town or I'm out hunting or fishing, you know, she can do the physical stuff, like open a house, um, for showing that type of stuff. So I, I think just having all that, you know, having all those things enables it to be a really flexible. The fact that you can work as a team. I didn't think about that. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Do you guys work under a, uh, a broker? I think I'm not sure how that works. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, every agent has to be either a broker or working under a broker. Um, so I work at Casper Realty Group, uh, our broker's longtime resident. Um, he started it the year I got into it. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think my wife was his first agent actually. Hmm. Um, and so we work, we work under Kestrel and yeah, that's the way the, that's the way the system's set up. I just actually finished all my broker courses. Um, so I've got my application in with the state of Idaho real estate commission. Are you, nice. so uh, you'll be, right you'll be a broker and then. And yeah. Then- so I'll, yeah. So I'll have my broker's license. I don't have, I don't have big plans to start my own brokerage right off the bat. Hmm. Um, to be honest with you, the last thing our town needs is another brokerage. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's, there's probably like, there's probably more people becoming agents than houses coming on the market right now. No, I mean, there are. We've got there we've are. got to have like a hundred. I just heard from an office 
in town, somebody else's brokers, that they want to hire 30 new people within the next three years. How do they, the, how do, the how do they pay they, the people? Well, the, that's exactly it. They don't. I mean, you only make what you're, what you're producing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you only make whatever it is, you know, you're a new agent. Maybe you make for every sale you, you make. So you, you produce the buyer, the seller, help them get under contract, go through closing, sell the property. Maybe you get to keep 60% and your brokers gets to keep 40%. Hmm. So really more agents is great. If they fail, oh, oh. Well, oh, well, they don't make enough. So the word hire, when they use the word hire, it sounds great, but yeah. really it's just, Hey, you know, we'll give you another a, body. We'll give you a little cubic, cubicle and you might yeah. bring us some income. Uh, no, yeah. It's how I view it. That's obviously a dark shortcut and dry view of it. That's how I view it. You know, it's just, hmm. it's not. Yeah. No, I remember seeing the ad for one of those uh, brokers in town and they were talking about how I think the, the average, they said they went with the average and they said the average agent in our office with at least three years of experience makes $70,000. And I was going, yeah, yeah, that's, that's average. Now tell me what the median is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, you know, again, I, it's interesting. Everybody has their own take on it. And I know everybody's, you know, there's, like I said, there's just a lot of agents. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't, uh, honestly, I don't have hate for anyone. Everybody's out there. Honestly, a lot of them are working really hard. Um, so I, you know, I think that's all good, but it is when you got 150 agents and 15 houses on the market, uh, it does make you scratch your head. Like, man, I'm really good. I'm really glad I've got construction work to go do today because we didn't get a new house in the last 48 hours. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I could, I could go knock on doors or make a TikTok video. Um, but to me, person- <laughs> <laughs> to me personally, it's so much more meaningful and a better use of my time to go uh, swing a hammer, or, you know, help somebody out on their construction site. Cause honestly, that's, there is a high demand for that right now. Yeah. Um, so same again, it's just kind of over here. just being, yeah, it's just being flexible. Yeah. Um, and I think long-term having the real estate and construction components are going to be valuable. So have yeah. you had the opportunity yet to list a house you've swung a hammer on? Uh, yeah, not that I've built, but, uh, yeah, people, you know, I'll walk through it with them getting ready to list it and like, "Eh, should we fix this? Should we fix that? Yeah. Who are we going to have do it? It's like, Oh, I'm up to bat, you know? So I've I've done (laughs) my, I've done my share of, uh, I don't advertise it, but I've done my, done my share of trim and caulk and Oh, well, you know what's funny? We're all that stuff. listing our house in Vancouver, and and the gal that we're listing <laughs> with, she she was she was basically like, "Oh yeah, my husband does all that stuff." Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah. He's going to end up replacing a light fixture and uh, getting rid of some some cool. moss somewhere. I've got okay. a buddy who can do it. Uh, he'll get it done in the next two or three months, but he won't charge you anything. <laughs> well, well, she actually puts it under her fee. Oh yeah, no, I was just messing. Uh, I was just talking. Yeah. To, you know what I was? Um, our other friend that had uh, that GC'd his house from afar. Uh huh. He that sounds tough. I couldn't do that, man. He didn't plan on doing it that way. It just it just ended up. Um, work sent him away. Work sent him away. He didn't really have much of a choice. Did that uh, do you know financially how that worked out? Did it save him money or? No, I don't think so. I yeah, think I don't know. I don't know how it could. I mean, part of it was like 
like he was planning on doing some of the work himself quite a bit of the work and then he ended up doing quite a bit of the work but it was focused on the weekends and uh that's just tough so he had he had there was uh i was joking about david coming and doing some of the some of the caulking and or the the moss whatever kyle was talking about but he's also working full-time as a teacher and his wife and him started a business where they're they're flower farmers and they were doing that and he was helping his friend build his house so did he have did he pass construction worker did he have construction background uh yeah so i mean my my buddy's a project he's a he's in project management and construction um so he handled oh, some, the one the one who gc'd it yeah yeah okay okay yeah. so he got he got a he had subs uh, yeah i guess he did gc the entire thing because he lined up all the subs and decided on who to hire and learned a lot of lessons i think um, yeah yeah so. if i would have subbed it all out i don't i wouldn't have done it because i don't think he didn't sub everything was, out. He didn't like. Okay. He didn't sub out the trim. He didn't sub sub out like doors. A lot of the finished yeah. carpentry. So he and, was able to fill in with some of the kind of the general. Yeah, but like rough yeah. rough carpentry framing that yeah. somebody else did that. Someone did the cladding, windows, um, yeah, foundations, dirt work, that kind yeah. of stuff. He that makes sense. Yeah, I think he did the. I think he might have done the landscaping himself though. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Okay. So, let's say uh, you you know you get to live your dream again, build another house. What what's like? There's one thing that I'm. Here's one thing I'm going to do different. Or or is there? I, mean, a, I got that right away. You do. Let's <laughs> let's have it. Yeah. So I uh, I mean I've never had anything but a one piece fiberglass tub shower unit right Mm -hmm. just the one piece plop in five foot by whatever 30 inch unit um so we built this house i'm like tile shower baby oh yeah all the way so i got a pretty big tile shower i mean and it's nice i got like the like the marble pebbles Uh in the bottom you know it's kind of that's cool so fancy yeah you know two built-ins in the wall for your soap and shampoo and stuff and then you know tile tile all the way up the walls, nine foot ceilings. There you go. And it's five, it's like five foot by two and a half foot. You know, it's a good size shower. Mm-hmm. My old man, this is sweet. And then I, uh, I ordered a door for it through Norm's glass. Uh, you know, nice big two piece glass sliding door. Got that thing installed. I'm like, this is sweet. And like three, four days of using it. I'm like, man, the door looks so dirty. And it's got like, hard water buildup on it already just after a few days and i'm like oh man so you we go on it down out of shower? <laughs> so we go on amazon and buy a squeegee and now it's like it's like the curse i mean that's I, that goes back to the life's so easy now but we still complain i'm like i don't have time to squeegee my shower <laughs> door down. It's, it's five foot of glass and and you know I don't. I, How long does it take you, Jed? Turn, well, you turn the shower off, uh-huh. and you're you're freezing, right? I mean, you want to get out. Don't you be get a weenie. Get, no, you, <laughs> no, you open you open that door and you grab your towel and you dry off. Well, once you dry off, you put your clothes on, then you put your socks on, mm-hmm. and then you brush your teeth, and you're like, oh, there's the shower door with water all over it. 
Well, if I'm going to go back inside the shower, my socks will get soaked. So I can't, then I can't squeegee the door. You need to get some Crocs. <laughs> get some Crocs for the bathroom. Bathroom. No, it's it's Look, true though. Problem solved. Oh man. It's, you know, it, I mean, it takes two minutes, but two minutes a day. I mean, that's a lot of time. I don't think it's two so, minutes even. I think it's 30 seconds. One, well, it's a minute and a half of complaining. Two. Well, even, even with the squeegeeing, I, it still needs washing. So oh. I mean, back, back to your question. I won't let you give me too much crap about that. Back to your <laughs> question. The next house, I'm going to do like a, there's going to be like either a hallway or some type of entrance at a perpendicular angle. And then you're going to walk uh, in and turn into the shower and I'm not doing a door on it. There's going to be no door. No door. Well, it's going, I got, to, have to, be, it's going to have to be bigger, but. <laughs> I, got, I got some maybe bad news for you on that front. Oh, you have to squeegee. Well, I guess it depends on the tiles, but if you don't ever squeegee the tiles, you're going to get really bad water buildup on the hard water buildup. Yeah, I think like once a month you could clean that, that door though. I mean, it just looks dirty. Yeah. You know? Well, you, so I wouldn't wreck and, and the door was like, I think it was pretty like expensive. 1200, 1400 bucks. So I was thinking, I'm like, man, I can, I can tile an additional walkway for that much. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, getting in there. So yeah, but could you frame the wall and you've got your dense glass oh, yeah. and everything else? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. That's, All right. That, anyways, that's what I changed. That's what you shower. changed. All right. No, no shower door. You know, we've been really happy with everything else. It's single level. So okay. it's hard, to, hard to go wrong. Yeah. Um, What's uh okay if you okay I got one more question for your house and we can we can talk about other things. What's like one thing like oh there's absolutely no way I would change this about my house. This is going to be in every house. If we build 5 houses, this is going to be in all of them. Oh, that's a good question. Besides like bedrooms and you know normal stuff. Yeah. Maybe you think about that. I'm just curious. That's was... All right. All right, I'll think about it. I'll probably do well. One thing I'll probably do is I'll probably always do tile in all the bathrooms, yeah, on the floors. You know, I, we were obviously we were trying to do it for cheap, you mm-hmm. know, but at the same time, I mean, working real estate, I think it's good. It gives you a good perspective of like just because you put less in initially doesn't mean you're better off. Um, mm. You know, you're gonna get your money back for a lot of those finishes, yeah, um, that that you put in. So we were gonna do laminate in. You know, plank flooring. It's nice. You know, vinyl plank flooring. Sure. We were going to do that in the laundry room and the second bath. We were going to do the master tile because I knew I wanted it to be nice. But we were going to save some money and do the laminate in those two. And as it got closer and closer, time to put it in, I'm like, man, I should just do tile. I should really just do tile. What's it going to be like a thousand bucks, you know, in material difference? Mm-hmm. And it's going to take me a day and a half of work. And so I... And I knew the kids were just going to be splashing water out of the bathtub. <laughs> like nobody's business. You know, I got a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And that vinyl and laminate plank, you know, all that's, I mean, you got a Colk seam yep. at your tub and that floating floor. How do you, you know, how do you secure that Colk? You know, it's, I, I'd done that game before. I'm not like, you know, I'm just going to tile you it. Reseal, so you reseal and then you reseal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and there's a puddle, you know, on it, so it better be sealed because. Oh yeah. So I just did slate tile and everything, and I no regrets. Okay. You did know, you, I think that. What did you use to seal it? Do you seal it underneath, or do you put a coating over the top? No. So I put dent, or no, I didn't put dent seal on the floors. I put a wonder board. It's like a fiber cement board on the floors, and then you tape the the seams on it. It's not waterproof. Um, 
it, it itself is not waterproof, but it's not waterproofing the subfloor underneath it. Um, but that gives a good solid base for the tiles to stick to. And so you tile and then you, uh, I did epoxy grout on the floors. Um, and that epoxy grout, it's a two part that you mix and it's, I mean, it's pretty waterproof. Um, eventually I might have to do some type of, you know, grout caulk on that edge. If over time it expands and contract, you know, the tub and the, the, uh, grout, a little seal forms there, but. Uh, as far as water resistant, you know, the tile tiles, not getting harmed, getting wet at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, those are two good insights and both <laughs> bathroom related. I might, I might add, I think, yeah, I, yeah. that's the, that's the most important parts of the house though. Bathrooms and kitchens. Yeah. I was just thinking like, yeah, if, I mean, that's the expensive, you know, when you look at a house, all the money's in the bathrooms and the kitchens hmm. I and mean, that's where all your money's at. Bedrooms are cheap. I mean, it's just carpet. Yeah. Carpet's like the cheapest floor finish out there. You can get nice carpet and it's still, you know, cheap compared to by the time you add in install costs and everything else, carpet's really affordable. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. sheetrock, you know, and paint cheap, but then bathrooms, I mean, you're talking vanities, sinks, countertops, showers, uh, all the hardware for the showers and the sinks, kitchen, you know, obviously kitchen, you got all your, you know, when you look at a house, if the, if, if you love the house, but the kitchen and the bathrooms need a remodel and you're not doing any of the work, I mean, that's, that's a big expense, you know, big expense. When you do the remodels for not, I, yeah, I guess they're, they're remodels for people who are selling their houses. Do you do the painting yourself or do you just do the more expensive parts? If I'm helping people just get stuff ready. Um, you know, I've never done a large remodel for somebody. It's always just been like, hey, my kid punched a hole in the garage ceiling of sheetrock you know can you patch it sort of thing um so it's just been little stuff like that you know but the you know that stuff again with the labor shortage we have you're going to pay somebody 50 60 bucks an hour and they're still not going to want to show up for a two-hour job or a one-hour job Mm -hmm. you know it's gonna it's just really hard to find anybody to do that type of stuff why do you Um, think it's it's really just the convenience yeah. Why do you think it is so hard to find people to work construction jobs? Because I feel like when we were in school, it was kind of the, the contractors were fairly choosy about who they'd bring on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's a couple things. Everything's gotten so expensive is one of them. I mean, you know, if you go, well, you know, let's say you're 50 bucks an hour and let's say you worked solid, 40 hour weeks, right? Mm-hmm. For 50 weeks a year. What's that? I mean, it's that's, 100K. Yeah, it's 100K. I mean, it sounds like a lot. But if you're doing that, you know, let's say you're doing it as an independent contractor, well, you're going to straight up get taxed 15 to 20% of that. Right. You know, and then you've got, you know, then you've got upkeep on your tools and materials. And that 100K isn't 100K really quick. And that's 40 hour weeks of manual labor, mm-hmm. you know, 50 weeks a year. Um, no benefits, you know, no insurance, no retirement plan. But if you're a high school kid or a college kid, but you, yeah, but, but they can't charge 50, 50 bucks an hour. That's the problem. They don't have any, you know, they don't have, the, well, that's they don't have the tools. They don't have the, uh, so you're, you're, I think that's the upper level. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at the lower level kind of brunt work, which is also impossible to find right now, I think it's the same thing. It's kids again, would they toughen up if they had to maybe, but 
kids can go work in McDonald's for, I don't even know, 20 bucks an hour, you know, 18 bucks an hour nowadays. Um, there's, there's just easier jobs. Um, or I think they're viewed as easier um, to people readily available. You know, I think tech has changed that a lot. Uh, there's a lot more of those type of jobs. You know, people, I think, I think people more often are looking, you know, some of those kids are looking at what they're going to go to college for and what they're going to get a job in. And they're not going to mm-hmm. need to do manual labor um, long-term. And so they're, you know, they're choosing, you know, I know somebody who's doing a, they got a job at like a virtual reality game store in town, like an internship there. You know, I think there's just, I think desire from the younger generation is in other areas besides manual labor. I don't know what your guys thoughts are on that. I'm kind of curious, but that's kind of my take on it. You know, I've, I've got a lot of, I got, I don't know, four younger brothers. Um, I got one that's going to help me with construction this summer and he's excited about it. Um, is that your youngest brother? No, he's going to, he's doing something else. That's a uh, second youngest brother. He just graduated okay. high, sc- high school. He's going to help me with construction stuff. Um, but, you know, I think, again, I think it's just a lot of those kids are just, there's other, other more desirable uh, things for them to be doing. What would make um, uh, manual labor more attractive? I think better pay. I mean, obviously, that's, <laughs> I feel like some of the hardest workers I know in the manual labor industry are the guys who, you know, didn't go to college mm-hmm. um, or even some of them dropped out of high school and instead started, you know, working with their electrician buddy. And they're like, geez, I can make 20 bucks an hour instead of getting paid to go to college. And back then it's like, oh, Sonny, you know, in 10 years, they're going to have their college degree and be making the big bucks and you're going to be nowhere. But then you look at some of those kids and you're like, you know, after even just the four years of college, they're, they've got a way better job than some of those kids graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's all it's all based off the individual. Um, yeah. But, but I think there's a lot of kids going to college that should probably be learning how to swing a hammer and use a shovel. Um, but that's that's not that's not where the push has been. I think. I think that, yeah. I know, trades. Again, have been... I don't know if that's generational kind of change. Our parents are like, oh man, I, you know, it's it's amazing for the kids not to have to do that. You know, again, I don't know exactly where that's come from, but that's what I see. Yeah. I mean, I know. So my, uh, my parents both were, it was like, there wasn't even, there was never discussion of not going to college. It wasn't even an option. Um, and it was just like, we don't want to have, we, we don't, we don't want you to have to do manual labor when you get old. Cause then you'll exactly. It was a negative. You know, manual, so I think manual labor is a big negative to people in their minds, which I don't think it, I don't think it should be. Yeah. Well, and my, you know, you were asking about just experience and like, you know, why is it so hard to find people to, you know, do the work and my experience with folks in the field, because I was like, I was on project teams. And even when I was in the office, this is largely gray hair. Almost. I was usually, usually the youngest by 20 years. Um, And, you know, there were definitely, there were definitely laborers that were on like that weren't foremen or weren't, you know, very, uh, whatever, like that I wouldn't interact with. There were younger guys out there, but even a lot of the times the, even just the laborers, they were just, they were just older guys. Um, 
And, and I think I think that can be that's what gives the negative uh, outlook on it is you don't want to be the guy with gray hair and still be doing the manual labor. Mm. Um, but I, and, and honestly, that's where I would see it as not a good, not a good thing yeah. possibly. Um, but if you can do the manual labor while you're young and your body's uh, made for it, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you work hard and you're paying attention and you can be the project manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guy overseeing the job by the time your hair starts turning gray, I think that's where there's great opportunity in some of those industries. Yeah. Um, yeah. In construction management, there was a, in the early two thousands, there was some kind of push for, in order to be a project manager, superintendent, you needed a construction management degree. And Mm. that pushed a lot of people who had been manual laborers out because you needed a four year degree in order to have that position. So they're switching back, which I think is good, especially for superintendents. I think it's, stupid to have somebody who doesn't know how to do the work really well to be a superintendent um, because as somebody in project management who doesn't have construction experience, not really, um, or at least not manual labor experience, uh, there's certain things where I'm like, I don't know how long that takes because I have never done that. Um, It would be super helpful for me to have done some of the construction that I'm overseeing or dealing with. Yeah. And I I think it is possible that to do that. The, the tough thing though is, I mean, it is as soon as you hit one of those supervisory level job positions, <laughs> construction knowledge is just a part of it at that point. Right. Well, and a bigger, a bigger part of it is scheduling, communication, meeting timelines. There, You do, you need a whole different skill set. Yeah. Um, you know, the construction knowledge is a part of it, mm-hmm. uh, but you, and that's why you better be picking up those other parts and along the way developing those other skills along the way. Otherwise you'll be the guy with gray hair packing panels on the concrete job. Yeah. You know, you um, do not want to be doing (laughs) No, (laughs) I've seen rough carpenters, more rough carpenters with gray hair than concrete guys with gray hair. (laughs) That's for sure. Uh, Um, uh, We gotta, we gotta wrap up here. Kyle, do you have any quick questions to wrap up or, or Jed, you could have, if you have any questions for us, I don't know. I really appreciate you being on here, though. It was a, it was a fun conversation. Are there any? Yeah, sure. Are there any keys to negotiation that you've picked up as a result of the work you've been doing the last five years? Uh, just like through real estate transactions. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. You never stop learning. <laughs> you know, that's that's definitely true in real estate. Um, and I think the biggest thing they're just honestly, I think having a good reputation, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and good rapport with other agents is undervalued. Um, I think it's really valuable. Um, you know, knowing people, same thing with, you know, whatever lender you're going to use, whatever agent you're going to use, and then the agents you want to work with. I think it just, a lot of it comes down to just good communication. Are there any Um, things you did to try and build that reputation faster? No, you know, I guess specifically is just, you know, having good manners and Mm. getting back to people promptly, being respectful on the phone. I think it's the little things that are underrated that 
um, they make a difference in the long run. Hmm. Um, so, just, you know, I, I guess specific instances is I, you know, I just always think it's best to, you know, let's say you want to put an offer in on a house. It's a competitive situation. You know, I do my best to, you know, thank you for the showing, you know, here's what my buyers are thinking. I'll keep you updated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I think that communication all the way through to hopefully getting your offer accepted is key. Um, you know, if there's multiple offers in like, you know, Hey, can I give you a, you know, when are you meeting with the seller? You know, you could try calling them when they're meeting with the seller. Just knowing that, that, that them knowing that they can come to you with a question, um, or give you an update and you're not going to be pushy. You're not going to be upset. Mm-hmm. Um, if they tell you your offer is not getting accepted, just all those, I think all those little things, just like everything, nothing special, just like everything else in life, having good manners, mm. um, doing your job and communicating well. I think those things go far in life. So. On the flip side, what I'm sure you have plenty of stories about uh, people you did not enjoy working with and, or aspects of people you did not enjoy working with. And what are their names? <laughs> no. <laughs> Because we probably know those people. I probably know those people. Um, On on the flip side, on the positive (laughs) side, what makes for a really great person to work with either as the listing agent or the the buyer's agent? Are they different? So you're talking about like customers? Like which, like what are good good people to work with helping them sell their place? Um, Not specifically who are good people to work with. What are traits... Mm. of people that you enjoy um like if you were to make i I feel like this question is getting sticky (laughs) no i mean if you were to make your ideal uh seller or your ideal buyer what what traits stand out to you as as oh man this would be a really awesome person to work with as a listening as for you this would be a person that you would really enjoy working with yeah. as a listing agent because of how they approach it, yeah. approach the sale. For you, this would be a really fun person to work with as a buyer because how they approach the search for a home. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. And a lot of it's probably just personal opinion. You know, different people like different things. But I think having somebody that's steady is key. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in this real estate market. Um you got to have a positive attitude. Um, you got to have a positive attitude. You got to be steady and you got to be able to make decisions. I mean, whether you're an agent or a, or a buyer or seller, you got to be able to make, make decisions and be content with them. I think that's the toughest thing is to help, you know, when helping a buyer, especially, and it happens with sellers too, is um, it's one thing. And then two minutes later, it's another thing. They just can't make up their mind and it's a mm-hmm. tough market to do it in. Um, because you got to go. You're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, whether it's you or the bank. Um, you're yeah. still spe- you're still spending it, and you're going to walk to your house in 10, 15 minutes and decide within 10, 15 minutes that you're going to spend that. Um, but having somebody that you know can make confident confident decisions, and you know they're going to be happy with them long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't get the house, you know they're they're, they're steady. not going to. Yeah, yeah. You want somebody that's steady and. You know, I think those are, I think those are really important, um, characteristics. And that's, you know, somebody who listens is, uh, you know, either, I either like somebody who's, who's working on their own. They have, they have it figured out, you know, um, you know, an experienced buyer, 
um, or even maybe a buyer that's not as experienced, but he's got, you know, maybe he's looking for an investment property and he's like, Hey, it's gotta be in this budget. It's gotta be bringing, you know, whatever it is. He's got his numbers figured out. Right. Right. Um, it could be a family too. Um, you know, he's got it figured out and I'm just passing data. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always smooth or vice versa. They don't know what they're doing, but they trust you and you can get them all the data and your reasoning behind it. Um, and they can make clear decisions based off that. I think the worst is when you have somebody who listens to you sometimes, but then other times doesn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey, you know, this, this is what we should do to market your house. Oh yeah. We're all for it. You know, this is what the data shows your house is worth. Yeah. It makes sense, but we're going to list it for 50,000 more. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, but we really want multiple offers and we want it to sell quick sort of thing. Uh-huh. It's mm. just like, okay. Yeah. You know, all, all right. And you know, it's just, you know, when, it, when it's, when it's in between either of those two, it's tough. It can be tough. So, and I think that's where, that's where it's, it's our job to, to do a good job for those people still in those situations. Uh, but those can be the toughest ones. Right. Yeah. It seems like having somebody who has like, you kind of know how they want you to interact with them. Like that's clear. Communication is kind of what makes maybe a good. Yeah. Communication's everything in this business. It really is. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been, uh, been fun talking to you. Nice to meet you, Daniel. And likewise, uh, good, to, good to see your face. Yeah. Hey guys, Daniel again. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating on whatever service you use. If you didn't, there's contact info in the show notes. We'd love to hear your feedback. There's also a link to support us financially if you're so inclined. Thanks so much.